Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, the show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. And three, two, one. Hello everyone, we are back with another episode of Changing the Climate. I am very excited to have my guest, Mr. Brad Pellman of Pellman's Automotive Service. So Brad, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Cool, cool. So yeah, I always just love to get the show started, just getting a a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing uh, with the automotive service now. Well, basically, uh, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily a born and raised in Boulder guy. I actually was born in Michigan and and grew up on a farm in Indiana, but uh, I've lived in Longmont, or I lived in Longmont um, until 1981, but I moved there in 72. I kind of went through middle school and high school in Longmont, and um, that's kind of where I started working on cars. I was at the very young age of around 15, I was uh, pumping gas and airing up tires and stuff at a full service gas station in Longmont. Um, And I learned how to bust tires and kind of check oil and things like that. So I always had an interest in it. Uh, My brother was always fixing something broken down in the driveway and he would pull me out there to help him uh, do stuff. And, uh, it, you know, you go through all those career day things at school and the testing and everything. And I always thought I was going to be something else. And they kept telling me I was going to be a a mechanic and I kept saying Uh no way. And, uh, (laughs) apparently they were right. So how did um, they know? I don't know. I think, you know, I have a, I have a really strong, very, very strong mechanical aptitude. I can tell you that there's virtually nothing I can't figure out. Uh, how to fix or how it works on my own. Um, and uh, I think that's the biggest thing about being a technician is just being able to problem solve, you know, not necessarily with the direction book there, but you know, you can look at something and figure out how it's operating and working on your own. So where's an example of you doing something that from your childhood that stands out where you like found a problem and then just went and solved it? Uh, I don't know if there's an example of me solving the problem, but I can tell you that <laughs> I took everything I could apart uh, at a very young age. I took apart a mini bike that, um, that you know, we got it to run again, but it didn't never ran correctly because we lost this tiny little piece um, called just the needle for the seat. But we figured out how to make to manip- manipulate the bike to make it work anyway. So, um, but uh, you know, it was just that curiosity of how things work. You know, primarily from the beginning, I, you can. Lots of people talk about that. Oh, I took apart my grandmother's clock or whatever. And, you know, it never worked again after that. But still, there was that curiosity on how it worked, you know, so. That's really cool. Yeah. So speaking of how things work, I mean, this whole sustainability thing is very interesting. I'm curious where your enthusiasm as far as sustainability really started as well. Well, sustainability is, um, you know, it's, I think it's more about the future for for me and and I think my wife and it's just protecting our planet so that our kids and their kids and and everybody else get to see blue sky and have trees and uh, hopefully not live in a desert. I you know I think that's the biggest the biggest thing about trying to protect our environment is is for our future not and not necessarily our future because we're gonna you know pass away and decay at some point but but for our kids' futures and for their kids' futures, that's what it's about. Um, so 
I, I think that's primarily the answer to your question. I mean, we could go, I can, we, I know we're going to talk more about the other stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear how you actually started your own shop. I know you're, you're essentially the co-founder with your wife, Lisa. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, so like I told you at a very young age, I was working in cars, uh, working at a gas station. Um, I did not go to college. Uh, I didn't have that capability to do that. Um, uh, I, uh, started working as a parts driver, actually as a lot boy, if you, if there's any older listeners on your station, uh, <laughs> Boulevard Dotson way back in the day was, uh, one of my first dealership jobs and I was the lot boy. So I'd wash the cars and, and stuff like that. And, um, I was around the technicians all the time. And that led from one job to another. I was a parts driver and I worked in a parts department for a short period of time. And then I became a service writer at, uh, Bill Crouch Subaru. Um, I was at all three locations with Subaru. So if you're a longtime Subaru owner, you know that, uh, they used to be where discount tire is now. And then they were on huh. uh, 30th street where, um, Boulder Hyundai is. And then they moved to Flatirons. Uh, I was at all those locations as a service advisor and then a, potentially a service manager after that. Um, I got, uh, you know, I was really, I really like working with customers. I, I really like, uh, the idea of helping a customer and solving their problems. And, you know, especially the thing that feels really good is when you really help somebody who's maybe stranded or, um, you know, just they're on vacation and this is their cars broke down and they don't know what to do and you get to save them. I mean, that yeah. honestly, it feels really good. So, um, it feels good for the customer too. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. And, uh, so, and I've been there, I was, you know, at a young age, me and a buddy went on a road trip to North Carolina and we broke down in the Smoky Mountains in the middle of nowhere at the age of 17. And I panicked. I was like, I know stuff about cars, but I don't know what to do. And um, so I know how that feels. And, uh, and I always try to remember that. I think that's probably one of the key things I do remember. Uh, and I'll bring it up to my staff consistently is like, hey, it really is hard for this person to be in this position. It sucks. So we need to help them. And, um, and that's what we do here. So, uh, but yeah, so I, Flatiron Subaru, uh, service manager, um, I wanted to grow more and I wasn't getting what I wanted there. And the dealership environment, although it's a very good environment, um, there are different things about the dealership environment that aren't as fun. So I moved away from that. And um, I actually was going to college, um, just Front Range Community College taking computer classes. This is back in the mid eighties. And most of my close friends were all here in Boulder um, you know, they're in the computer field and stuff like that. So I was thinking, well, this is where I should go because this is the future. And, um, sure. you know, I sat in a classroom in front of a computer for about three semesters. And I was like, I cannot do this. This is three semesters too long. And, uh, but in the meantime, while I was doing that to earn some money, I was working at a local, uh, independent repair facility. And with all my experience at the dealership world and then working at that, that independent, what I noticed was there were a lot of things that could be done a lot better in that business. And um, so I decided that, uh, you know, if I was truly going to do this as a profession, uh, which I pretty much already was, then I needed to, number one, own my own business uh, so that I could control all the things that I didn't like and provide the level of service that I wanted to provide that I wasn't seeing necessarily being provided, but in either entity, either at the dealership level or at the independent level. Um, and that has been our focus ever since we opened, um, which is right here at our current location, 
26 years ago now, almost. So, wow. Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to ask you, Sue, so I was going to ask when you founded it. So 20, it's been 26 years now and you're, you're one of the, the best known dealerships or not dealerships, excuse me, um, service shops in town. And I know you can, you can, it can kind of be all over the board. It could be a place where someone just stops by once and then keeps going. And then all these uh, different reviews might come in and the service can be different from place to place, but you've built up this amazing brand, not only with the the emphasis on on being green and having a green commitment, but you just seem to have these amazing reviews over years and years and years to the point where your your Google page has almost a perfect um, rating, which I find very impressive. I'm just curious on why why you think that is. Uh, well, we work very hard on our on our customer service or our satisfaction. All right, so we recognize this is this is a hard business to be in. Uh, mm-hmm. The primary thing is, look when you when your car breaks down, it's unexpected. And the very first thing that the consumer knows is this is going to cost them money and it may not be money that they budgeted and were ready to spend. So, you know, they may not, when they walk in the door initially, they're, 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 they're upset, not at us, but they're not sure what's going to happen. How much is it going to cost? How am I going to get to work tomorrow? Um, How am I going to get groceries today that I'm supposed to get? These are all problems that are going on in their head that we have no control over, but we have to try to work, work with them to build the trust and, and calm them down so, so they know everything's gonna be okay, even though at that moment, we don't necessarily know what's wrong with their car yet. So you know what we work on is um, our interaction with the customer is just truly listening, figuring out what their needs are so that we can solve them immediately. And then, um, get them where they need to go, get them on the road or get them, you know, where they need to go away from the shop, get their car in because it's that uncertainty of, I don't know what's wrong yet. That's a time period. And, and the sooner we can solve that for the customer, the sooner, you know, their, their mind will be put to ease. So we get their car into our system. You know, it takes, it's not like we can just pull a car in because we have a a large customer base in Boulder. Um, but we do our best to get everybody checked out as soon as possible. You know, within a 24 hour period, our goal is to have that car looked at and at least let that customer know where they're gonna, what they need to do. Um, and then we provide, you know, all the avenues. We have loaner cars, we have loaner bikes, we have, um, huh. we have uh, access to rental car discounts and things like that. So, and we, because we listen to the customer and what their needs are, we, we can, we let them know, Hey, we can help you with this. We can get you here. We can give you this. Um, so, you know, it's all about customer service. And then when it comes down to the rating side of it, look, there's a lot of apprehension in auto repair. A lot of people don't understand it. They don't Including understand me. the process or the time. Um, so sometimes it's, it's hard to break that barrier and people just, um, struggle with the idea that even though we say, um, you know, it may take an hour to fix your car, it doesn't mean starting right now. You know, we still have to get it in. You know, we're still waiting for you to authorize. We still have to get it in the loop. And then when we physically work on the car, that hour happens. And then we still have to do paperwork. You know, we may have to wait for parts. So all of these things are happening. So even though the repair may only be an hour, the process may be all day or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to do a good job explaining that we have to, um, quell any fears. There's a lot of stories. Look, nobody says all the great stories that they had, 
Nobody tells a story about how I went to this great place that saved me, right? They love to talk about how they got, you know, how they think they got screwed over or how a repair was done poorly by a shoddy technician. And I'm not going to deny that those things do happen. They do. Okay. (laughs) But they're not as rampant as everybody believes. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, we strive really, uh, our goal is to overcome those and to show that that's not the truth in the industry uh, for the majority of the shops across the country. That's just Mm. not true. Um, But those are the stories you hear and you remember. So, so in general, that's what our goal is. Satisfaction wise, sometimes people, you know, you can do everything right throughout the repair process. Everything is right. Um, And then right at the end, the technician didn't check the tire pressure or something else. So everything else that you did is out the window and I'm going to write you up for a bad review or I'm very unhappy because, you know, um, you didn't put an oil change sticker on the windshield or, or whatever. And that stuff happens. Um, where, you know, there's a lot of production happening here. There's steps going on. And although we battle with our employees and train all the time to make sure that stuff doesn't happen, I'd be lying to you. If I told you we were perfect uh-huh. and we never, ever make a mistake. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we do make a mistake, number one, if it's a part failure or something like that, that's out of our control, we warranty everything we do here uh three years 36,000 miles nationwide uh so uh, we don't hesitate if a customer has a concern if they think it's a possibility that something happened while the car is here we always believe them until we can prove that maybe that's not true right and if it is true we're fixing it right it's on our dime Mm -hmm. it's you know so it's all about customer satisfaction standing behind the product treating the customer the way we want to be treated the way i want to be treated if i go anywhere Sure. So, and that's, that's what we do. Fair enough. Sounds like there's quite literally a lot of moving parts. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot to it, but uh, it's, you know, it's a fun environment to work in. If you ever get to work in a place that is truly like a, a good production facility, we get to listen to music. We get to chat and joke with our friends out in the shop. Um, even though it's a very hard, difficult business to be in because we're, you know, there's a lot of stress in our environment we do everything we can to alleviate that and have a good time while we're at work. That sounds great. And it seems to me like every company is not only just trying to service people uh, through their specific field, but we're all kind of like emotional support, aren't we at the same time? Yeah. But um, cool. So I want to just transition to what inspired you and Lisa as like your, your business partner and your wife to, to make this, this green commitment to auto repair. What, what led to that? Well, I think, I think initially a lot of people think about our repair shops, and this is one of the things that we've always tried to overcome as being a dirty place. Uh-huh. And the truth is that, um, you know, from really ever since I've been in this, it's never been legal to dump oil in the streets or, or, or anything like that. There always have been regulations about tires and, and oil and the waste that you take out of a vehicle. So we do deal with a lot of hazardous material. Um, and we deal with it properly. There's a lot of regulations around that. So tires must be recycled. Um, that's been the case for forever. Um, it's just that it's more prominent now because now there's fees, state of fees, state fees associated with it. So they can track that every individual is recycling tires. Um, 
then oil has always been recycled. Uh, it, and for the most part, what happens with oil is that uh, there's companies around that, that are called waste oil pickup companies. They come and they grab the oil, they reclaim it. Um, this is the oil that we drained out of your car. Um, and then a lot of it was used in road building back in the day, um, asphalt burning plants, they use it as fuel. So they're reusing that oil. Um, and even today, there's new types of technology where uh, shops are actually keeping the oil in-house. They have what are called waste oil heaters, and then they heat their shop with their own waste oil. Um, and those um, burners, they're called burners, um, they are, um, they're kind of like a car engine. Basically, they have O2 sensors on them and stuff, so they regulate themselves to make sure that they're not polluting. So there's lots of ways uh, on a regulation standpoint that, that auto repair shops are green, okay? Um, antifreeze is recycling all that. So, and I, I, I can't tell you, I, I've never seen anybody dump oil or anything like that. And as long as yeah. I've ever worked, I've never seen anybody do that, any of the businesses that I work for. So again, it's kind of a misnomer that that stuff was happening on a broad basis. Very um, interesting. But how do we take it beyond that is the question mm -hmm. really. And um, so my wife is born and raised in Boulder. Um, you know, our community is big on recycling and the environment and, um, and that, you know, gets ingrained in you. Uh, it becomes part of who you are and it's part of who we are. Um, uh, we want the invite, like I said earlier, we want to protect our environment. Um, the levels that we went, um, you know, when solar was starting to come around and there were a lot of government, um, help funding to help promote solar. Um, my wife, Lisa, who's a, a uh, business graduate from CU, uh, wow. recognized an opportunity. Um, we own our building um, and one of our major expenses was electricity. And we started doing research into solar and um, we got connected with a really good uh, company called Cascade Solar who came and analyzed our property and what our possibilities were. And um, we found out that if we put solar on our building, basically we could have it paid for within five year period. Wow. Well, what did that mean for us as a company was we're not paying $1,200 a month rent anymore or not rent, sorry, but electricity, yep. um, which was our common electricity bill. And number two was we were also putting energy back into the grid. Um, well, the super nice thing was we, what happened was our solar array ended up being such a perfect solution for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we generate over 45 kilowatt hours on our panels, we have 196 panels. And um, in general, uh, it took us about, it took us a little less than five years, which is the expected time period to pay off the expense of the panels. Um, even though we were paying off the expense and making those payments, which was around our $1,200 electrical bill, we were still getting checks from Xcel Energy for around 700 bucks a month. Amazing. Uh, and so now that they're paid off, we get even larger checks. So um, it was a huge boom, not only for us, uh, we're putting money back into the grid, we're using less coal-fired electricity, um, and the company is benefiting by having less overhead expenses. So it's that, number cool. one, was great. Uh, what do we do beyond that? Well, um, we recycle all of our plastics in-house. Uh, these are steps that we go above and beyond that you're not going to see it a lot about our repair shops. Um, it does mm -hmm. take effort. Um, it does take training with all your employees. But basically, every employee has three trash cans around them. 
Um, and we recycle all of our metals too. That's been going on for a long time. Um, but like uh, stretchable plastics are recyclable. They're hard to recycle item. But if we put them all separate and we have them, have them in a separate location, we actually have a company that picks those up from us and we pay a little bit to have it done, but we get those recycled. Um, we recycle all of our cardboard, all of our automotive parts uh, come in cardboard packaging. Um, we, we actually work with um, our vendors. We're trying to get them to tone that down because we don't need a box to show up for us to go from our door to the bay to the technician. We can have just the part in a bag would be fine. Sure. So we, we, we work with our vendors to try to curb that as well. But um, we recycle all the cardboard that we get. Um, we compost, which is one of the other things. We're considered a zero waste uh, facility in Boulder, which wow. is which is very big deal for how to repair. And and this is one of my wife's biggest um, loves. She has worked hard on this, and she's the one who provides the training. And and we're not again, we're not perfect. And once in a while, the wrong things end ends up in the wrong bin, and somebody's got to get <laughs> retrained. And and my wife is on it. Lisa, is, she Good. she care, really cares about that, and that's and it's great. Um, and everybody really does pitch in and everybody does it on their own. So, um, so those are the things we do and we compost. So, um, what are you composting? Yeah. Anything that we can compost paper, um, products that we buy, at least that will intentionally buy products that are compostable that are used in our business. So we do a lot of meetings with lunches and things. And, um, so we compost that and that actually that again takes effort. We take that home because we compost through our, uh, just through, we can't get that here in the business, but we can take it to our home and then we can compost it at our house. So, um, so that's kind of that we go, you know, we really do everything we can to protect our environment. Um, so that's that's really cool. So I'm curious how you've, you've, you've had this green commitment for a while. How, how has all these, these changes that you've made, and obviously you have to implement these systems. And then with the example of the solar, it's a really great example of how it paid off profitably. I'm just curious how this emphasis on doing business in a green way has actually changed your strategy, be it for growth or profitability and stuff like that. Well, that's a hard to measure thing, right? Your sure. customers don't come in necessarily and say, Hey, I'm, I'm here because you're because of your environmental commitment. I would um, say it. And, and you should, we, we love to hear it. Um, you know, we just did. Do you know, are you familiar with Charm here in Boulder? Char? No, Charm. No. Charm. No, let me know. So Charm is uh, it's done over at Resource 2000, and I, and I can't tell you exactly that I know what the acronym stands for, but Charm is hard to recycle items. So okay. electronics. Uh, Christmas paper, um, Interesting. Uh, electrical cords, Christmas lights. So every year for the past five years, we have done a charm event um, where, and the, you have to pay to recycle these items. Mm-hmm. But um, we've sent out emails to the community and we said, hey, bring your, bring your items to us. We'll recycle, we'll pay the fee and we'll recycle them for you. And, and we've done this five years in a row. We had, I just posted on Facebook our year, this year we took a full trailer and two truckloads full of electronics and hard to wow. recycle items to charm. It was our best event ever. No um, kidding. And answering your question, um, what we did notice was we had a lot of people thank us for doing that event when they walked in our door. And yeah. they're not necessarily our customers. Of course, uh-huh. we hope that they become customers and they realize, hey, oh, I didn't know you guys were here. And 
and we'll tell them who we are. But, you know, we'll, what we got was a lot of thank yous from those people just saying, hey, this is really great that you do this event. So there was some recognition that we got. And I think that's, you know, that makes us feel good. And that's rewarding for us to know that people are paying attention to the fact that we're doing that. Um, but I do think that's the Boulder community. And yes. I, I, I want to just mention, you know, I talked, I, I skimmed over the bikes, um, but we have loaner bikes. And we're one of the bikes. first people to do that. Um, but we're, we're, we're situated right in the whole bike path system. We're like right in the heart of it, where all the bikes come to get, bike paths come together. Where's your location? Uh, we're at 46th, uh, for, we're on 49th and Pearl. So okay. we're Boulder Toyota, um, Boulder Valley Volkswagen. We're, we're tucked back away in that little area. But, um, you know, we kind of realized that instead of putting our customers in loaners, they're really just trying to get to work. And, you know, 90% of the time, it's beautiful here in Boulder. So um, my wife is like, we're going to do loaner bikes instead of loaner cars. Yeah. And honestly, at first we're like, nobody's going to ride those. Nobody wants to ride their bike to work in their suit or their dress or whatever. And I swear, you know, this is one of those where she's like, I told you so. But um, (laughs) (laughs) the bikes, if it's a nice day, all the bikes are gone. No kidding. Like like daily. Daily. Yep. So, you know, we have, we, we just take care of them and put them out. People love taking them. It's no, there's no charge. So it's great. So that, that's really cool. Um, Sorry, I'm I sure... sidebarred all over the place there. No, don't apologize. No, it's I include anything you want. This is very interesting, interesting for me because I'm really learning how every single individual organization community can be involved in this this kind of climate situation, which I'm trying to figure out with this podcast. So I'm curious how you think family-owned companies like yours can kind of set the stage for a more industry-wide change. Because based on our first, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of this discussion, it seems like it's been very beneficial to your business to have this green commitment as well. I I think it is beneficial to the business, especially if you're in the community that supports that. Sure. even if you're in a community that you don't feel is as strong about as as it could be, you can help promote that and educate people just by doing it. So Mm -hmm. like, if you care about the environment yourself, personally, the things that you do and how you behave either in your business or in your personal life are going to um, show that to everybody that's around you and maybe make them think, does that make sense? Yeah. You would never walk down the street anymore and just throw trash on the ground because a hundred people would yell at you. Yes. That wasn't necessarily the case back in the forties and the fifties. So no kidding. we can change, we can change the way people think by being better people ourselves. I love that. I think it's a fantastic an- answer, but do you think that the practices that you guys specifically employ at Pelman's are actually scalable to the rest of the industry? Cause I, I take it. Most of these repair shops are, are more independent mom and pop s- stores. Is that right? Um, you know, the, so the vast majority of auto repair across the country is done by independent auto repair. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Um, uh, there are organizations that uh, like Napa Auto Care or CarQuest Auto Parts or um, TechNet Auto Service. Um, so these are independent parts suppliers that are national organizations. And so like I'm connected to, I'm a TechNet facility, which gives me the ability to give that nationwide warranty. But we give our feedback to TechNet um, and talk about why this is good for us and how it works well for us. And then they spread that word across the country to other independents, right? 
So there we've been used as a kind of a poster child in the past with TechNet about a lot of things that we do here. And because it is, it's not necessarily about one thing that you do mm -hmm. that's going to make you um, stand out in the crowd um, as an environmentally friendly business. Uh -huh. But if you do as much as you can do, you know, not everybody can put solar panels on their building. You know, if you don't own your building, you're not going to pay to put solar panels on it. Sure. But you could go to Excel Energy and you could say, I only want wind supplied energy um, to be used for my business, right? You can, you can make moves like that. You can compost, you can recycle aluminum and, and, um, and you can recycle your cardboard. Um, you can recycle your antifreeze. Those things are just little extra steps that aren't hard to do, um, but there is a little bit of commitment because it takes space to have two trash cans versus one. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes there's restrictions, but you can figure out ways around that. So if you put the effort forth um, and do what you can do, that's I think that's all that anybody's asking. Um, yeah. But to not try to protect your environment, that's that's where it's, I think that hurts you. Yeah, I think it, I think it's safe to say it hurts all of us. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing over there. And I, next, I'd like to kind of talk about what, well, what is an environmental management system? I've never heard of that until I had just done my background research on you. Um, I, so... I, I'm not positive what you're talking about. This is where my wife should be sitting here. Yeah, I know. I was thinking um, that she's like, she sounds like the pioneer of this, these ideas, but you know, whatever you, whatever you know is best. Well, I think about it like a system of, of tracking what, what kind of impact your, your store is having on the environment, right? Something like that. Yeah. I think that the way that really fits for us is we work with Pace, which is Partners for a Clean Environment. Um, they're the ones that really kind of came in and um, looked at our business and said, hey, you can improve here. You can do this. You can put in. You can, you can put in switches here that are on motion sensors. So working with Pace in Boulder County, is is you know so that it's like it's like partnering with people who can help you. Mm -hmm. um, Green Girl Recycling. Uh, she is. That's a company uh, Boulder based that um, uh, owns a recycling business, and she um, she she comes and and there is a fee, but she comes and she picks up our hard to re recycle. Um, recyclables that are in our business. So the plastics, the cardboard, you know, um, stuff that um, if we threw it just into the trash can, there's no guarantee that, it, that it's actually getting sorted out when it goes to the facility. Okay. So environment management, environmental management systems to me is, is working with a group of people that help you understand all the things that you can do and help you find the resources you need to do the things that you want to do um, to then be the company that you want to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I know you've mentioned a couple today. Are there any other groups or organizations or charities that you found have been very helpful in this green commitment over the years, working with you, whether picking up your recycling or helping you get solar or all that kind of stuff? Uh, I got, I hate to leave somebody out. Um, I yeah. would tell you that Cascade Solar is who we work with out of uh -huh. Golden. They were excellent because he, the owner truly cared um, about what we were going to put up. And his, the first thing he said to us is, look, I'm going to come out and I'm going to, uh, he's, he's an old engineer. Um, and uh, he's like, I'm going to come out and I'm going to survey your environment. 
And if solar doesn't make for you, sense for you, I'm not going to sell it to you. Yeah. And that's like, okay, you know, he, his whole philosophy was, I want to guarantee that this is going to benefit you. Sure. Um, so I want to work with people like that. So Green Girl Recycling is awesome to work with. They, she's, she comes in, she'll do trainings for our employee staff. Um, she partners with us. She, she supplies the bins and stuff that we need to, to sort um, the recycles. Um, she's been awesome to work with. Uh, Pace uh, is really good to have come walk through your business and just show you the things that you can do. Pace? They're not Pace, yeah. Partners for a Clean Environment. Cool. Uh, they're not twisting your arm or anything. There's no regulation forcing you to be it. Um, you get a nice plaque. Beautiful. Uh, that's right there, actually. I was wondering what you that get, was. You get a nice plaque if you, you know, if you conform and you're trying to do things and they recognize you, which is nice. Um, I, I've gotten off track from your com from your question. <laughs> no worries. I was just, no, no, thank you. I was just curious about different organizations that are, are helping with this. That's really yeah, cool. I, I, yeah, go ahead. That's Lisa. I mean, I, no she worries. doesn't like being on camera very much, so, <laughs> um, but she is the backbone of, a, of this. Well, tell her I really appreciate what she's doing. And then I, I'm going to ask anyways, what are you, your personal thoughts on how to reduce the, the environmental impact of the transportation industry in general? Because it seems like one of the biggest emitters that's just not going anywhere, you know? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is with today's cars, uh, it's not necessarily about tune up um, because mm -hmm. your car is a, it's smart. Um, so even if your air filter is dirty, um, your car is, is making adjustments to control air fuel mixture and put out and output the correct um, emissions standard for that vehicle. Um, from an industry standpoint, um, environmentally, every car that comes out now is getting better and better emissions. Mm -hmm. um, there are obviously there are tons of electrical vehicles starting to hit our market. Um, we have hybrid vehicles as well. Um, as far as the consumer goes, what can, what can I do to protect the environment because I drive a car? Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, take care of it, maintain it. Uh -huh. uh, um, there's a lot of things that affect gas mileage. Even, even your suspension can affect your gas mileage. Um, your tire pressure affects your gas mileage. Um, keeping your car in good shape, having it inspected regularly, making sure that it is running as it's designed to run. Um, in other words, if my check engine lights on, it's on for a reason. And even though the car, you may not feel anything and the car's running fine, um, it doesn't mean that the car's performing the way that it should. Most likely when the check engine light is on, your emissions is um, dropping or you're emitting more emissions than your vehicle is designed to via the um, just containment of the fumes of the gas tank, right? So there are reasons why that light's on. And if you really care about your environment and that light is on, you'll actually take your vehicle to a, to a repair facility, whether it's independent or a dealership, um, and you'll have the car checked out. And yes, repair can be expensive, but if you care about the environment and your investment that you have in that vehicle, then you'll probably perform the repair. Yeah. Sounds fair enough. Well, I'm very impressed, Brad, and I appreciate you coming on. And I think it's really cool that you and Lisa have found a way to have your own unique impact while creating the business that both of you kind of wanted to do or were made to do. Just curious about your final advice for anyone who's listening on how we can kind of build a greener society and combat this climate 
change situation? Uh, you know, promote yourself. Uh, be aware of what you're doing in your own space. Um, let people around you know that you're doing it and hopefully it will just spread. So that we, that's what we want to do is just get everybody right. to, we don't want anybody to feel like they're on the outskirts because they're not doing something. We just want them to yeah. learn, hey, I can do this. It's not hard. Oh, look, there's a trash can. I've got a trash can and a, and a recycle can. I've got a can in my hand. I'll just put it in that one. You know, yeah. it's not hard. No, it's not. It's just about talking and being willing to have the discussion and just an idea of, of being willing to innovate and be better. So, uh, Brad, it was really a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the show and sharing uh, everything about your business. Where, where would, would it be the best way to find you? Go, go on your website or I found you on Google Maps, I think. You know, our website is, is it's just Pelman's. Just type in our last name and, and, and we'll pop up, but it's Pelman'sAuto.com or Pelman's.com, either one. Um, definitely read about us, check us out, read our reviews on Google. Um, yes, we have a very good rating. Um, there have been some people that have been unhappy. Mm -hmm. We try, um, <laughs> we work very hard on customer service. Um, that's what we do. We really want to ensure that as long as we're being fair to ourselves and the company, we're going to be, make sure that you are satisfied. So, I mean, that's what our goal is. We just, we're looking to build friendships in our community. Nobody here wants to walk down the aisle of King Supers and feel like, you know, somebody's going to say something about them or mm -hmm. like that guy, you know, nobody wants to be that guy. Um, and we're not that guy. <laughs> we're not. No. Um, so um, we just, we want to be good to our community. Uh, we want to have friends. Uh, we want people to trust us. We want them to come in here and feel like we can talk about the camping and the fishing and how great it is out. And, and yeah, we're going to solve your car problem as soon as we can for you. And it's going to be great. That's who we are. Yeah. And I think you, you've definitely shown that today. So I appreciate you coming on the show very, very much. You know, it's been a pleasure. Right? It's been a good, thank you. You're very welcome, Brad. All right, everyone. Take it easy. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Changing the Climate a podcast hosted by Climate Change Realty, the most innovative real estate corporation ever conceptualized. Visit ccrboulder.com today.